Let's pray together. Lord, thank you uh, this morning. We really do need you. And we, we acknowledge you. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. And, and we do this, Lord, knowing that we don't have to beg you. We just have to ask you. And so we do ask you. We do ask you um, fervently. We do ask you in faith. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin uh, to blow through this room today. That you would fill me and my words Lord, most especially that you would take the scriptures and open them to our hearts and our minds, that we might be amazed, that we might be blessed, that, Lord, we would know Jesus. It is in the name of our beautiful Savior that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I'm not one who always or often even titles my sermons. I guess I'm just not that creative, but... um, or maybe not that organized. I'm not sure which it is. Uh, but today, the message is called To You and Through You. Everybody say, To You, to you. and Through you. through you. To You and Through You. Salvation comes to you, and the Holy Spirit moves through you. To You and Through You. I want to begin with a story that Timothy Paul Jones tells in his book, Proof about taking his adopted eight-year-old daughter to Disney World for the first time. Now, what you need to know about this little girl is that she had previously been adopted by another family, but it didn't work out. They weren't able to integrate her in with their own biological kids, and after a few years, they dissolved the adoption. Well, the Jones family adopted this little girl and brought her in to be part of their family. Now, for one reason or another, whenever her previous family went to Disney World, she always got left behind. They took the biological kids with them, but they left her with a family friend. And usually, at least in the little girl's mind, this happened because she did something wrong that kept her from going on the trip. And so this little girl had heard a lot about Disney World. She had seen all kinds of pictures. She'd heard about the rides and the characters and what it was like, but she had never actually passed through the gates of the Magic Kingdom herself. She was always left on the outside, always on the outside. Now, when the new adoptive family found out about this with Disney World, they decided, we're going. And they started to make plans for the family to go on a trip uh, down to the Magic Kingdom. What they didn't anticipate was how the little girl would begin to respond in the weeks leading up to the trip. She acted terribly, terribly. She stole food when she could have just asked for a snack. She told lies when she could have easily told the truth. And she was saying some of the meanest things to hurt her older sister. And she was doing it almost incessantly. And as the days moved closer and closer to the trip, her mutinies multiplied. They just seemed to be getting worse and worse. So her father, well, he writes this. I quote him, a couple of days before our family headed to Florida, I pulled our daughter into my lap to talk through the latest escapade. 
I know what you're going to do, she stated flatly. You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? The thought hadn't actually crossed my mind, but her downward spiral suddenly started to make some sense. She knew she couldn't earn her way into the Magic Kingdom. She had tried and failed that test several times before, so she was living in a way that placed her as far as possible from what to her was the most magical place on the earth. I was tempted to turn her fear into my own advantage. The easiest response would have been, if you don't start behaving better, you're right. We won't take you. But by God's grace, I didn't. Instead, I asked her, is this trip something we're doing as a family? She nodded. Her brown eyes rimmed with tears. Are you part of this family? She nodded again slowly. Then you're going with us. Yes, there may be some consequences to help you understand the difference between right and wrong, but you're part of our family and we are not leaving you behind. Her behavior didn't get better after that. In fact, it got worse as the days approached. Family went just as they had promised. The trip to Disney World was nearly intolerable. And then, of course, they went to a typical Disney day. Overpriced tickets, overpriced food, long lines in Florida heat, with just enough magic to make it worth going back the next day. And then Jones wrote this, I quote him. In our hotel room that evening, a very different child emerged. She was exhausted, pensive, and a little weepy at times. But her month-long facade of rebellion had faded. When bedtime rolled around, I prayed with her, held her, and asked, So how was your first day at Disney World? She closed her eyes and snuggled down into her stuffed unicorn. After a few moments, she opened her eyes ever so slightly and said, Daddy, I finally got to Disney World, but it wasn't because I was good. It's because I'm yours. It wasn't because I was good. It's because I'm yours. Friends, that is the gospel. That is grace. Grace isn't a favor that we secure from God for being good. Grace isn't something that you earn or achieve. Grace is God's goodness, even when you put the middle finger up to God and run in the opposite direction. It's this one-way kind of love that seeks to bring salvation to the one who desperately needs it. Not because you earned it, but because God chooses you and wants to make you His own. Salvation comes to you. Salvation comes to you. Let me just say that again. Salvation comes to you. Salvation 
It's not something you grasp. It comes to you. Because God wants to make you his daughter or his son. Please hear this. Anything short of this is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the end of our reading in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stood up, he's in the midst of his first sermon. So it goes on a long way after this. We only gave you the first part. He, he begins to prophesy as the Spirit of God is giving him words. And he's quoting from the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. He says, in those last days, in the days in which God moves by the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and thanks be to God through his ascension into heaven, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. I'm going to break down all the distinctions. It's going to come to the young and the old. It's going to come to men and women. It's going to come to every race and creed and nationality and language. God is building a family. Salvation comes to you, Peter says, and everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. End of story. Salvation comes to you. And yours is simply to receive it. It's always gift. It's always grace. Never achieved or earned. Never deserved. You cannot be too good to not need it. You cannot be too bad to be so far from it. Salvation comes to you so that everyone, whatever you come in here with today, Whatever heartache, sorrow, disappointment, sin, or brokenness you bring, whatever you have done that you think could possibly keep you from the Lord Almighty, if you will turn from that and you will say by opening your heart, I call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. This is a miracle of grace. And when that happens, the Spirit of God comes into your life. To this point, the Spirit of God is outside of you. You might know of Him. You might have heard whispers about Him. You might even know some facts. You might have sat through a lot of sermons. But until you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, turning from yourself and to Him, and simply with all the sincerity you know how, opening your heart to Him, He will come in. And He will forgive you of your sin. And He will make you new. And the Spirit of God will take residence in you. It becomes an inside job. Religion is always an outside job. What you have to do in order to be good enough to get to heaven or whatever. But salvation comes to you. Do you want this today? Some of you have this already, but but some of you, your heart is banging in your chest because you know the words that I'm speaking are for you today. All you have to do is open your heart and say, yes, Jesus, forgive me. I call upon your name and the spirit will come in. Sometimes he comes in like a mighty rushing wind. Sometimes he comes in like a gentle breeze because he knows you. And he knows what you need. But make no mistake, you will know the difference 
as to whether or not you are alive and new in Christ or not. And a lot of people, I hate to say this, because of their upbringing or their family of origin or the church they grew up in, spend their whole life faking it. And nothing has happened internally. Please don't let that be you. There is a day that is too late. Not because God isn't good, but because He's given you the way to salvation. You can come through the gates into God's more than magical kingdom. And the gate is His Son, Jesus. Everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. Salvation comes to you. But that's not all the story is. This isn't just, and this is where sometimes I think the church macro falters or has been given a wrong message. It's not, and now that I'm saved, I get to go to heaven. It's no, no, no. He comes in you and he begins to change you and transform you. And it's a lifelong process. Uh, Some of you are moving faster along the journey than others. I don't know. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Maybe that's too serious today. (laughs) But he begins to change you and he begins to transform you. Why? Because he wants to move through you. Everybody say through you. Remember I said to you and through you? Salvation comes to you. The Holy Spirit wants to move through you. And why does he want to move through you? Because God's building a family. Because God wants the very same message of salvation the very same adoption that you have received to go out to others whom you know in your life, in your family, in your work, in your school, in the places that you have influence, so that they too might come to an understanding and enter in themselves and be part of God's eternal and forever adopted family. But you cannot do that in your own strength. It never works. It's not designed to be that way. We are created to live in cooperation with the Spirit of God who comes into us to fill us, to make us new, and then to move through us to the world around us. On that day of Pentecost, remember what Jesus had said, and Kendall touched on this last week. He was focusing a little bit on the ascension, but remember the words that Jesus said, and they're going to be on the very bottom of the front cover of our series, our preaching series called Outward Bound. Jesus said first, not many days from now, The Spirit is going to come upon you. You'll be baptized in the Spirit. So go wait in Jerusalem for the gift my Father promised. And when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power. For what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth. If you don't understand Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will not understand what the Christian life is meant to be. Why he doesn't just take you to heaven the moment you get saved. Because he wants to give you spiritual power in order to be his witnesses in the world. Now, what is a witness? Let's just think about that for a moment. We've got a lot of legal people here among us. A witness is just somebody who's seen something, who's heard something, who's witnessed something, who's experienced something, who knows something, and then gives testimony about what they've seen or heard. They don't have to make it up. They don't have to know every nuance. You don't need a special degree to be a witness. You don't have to wear one of these funny collars to be a witness. But you do need power. Because here's what I've discovered. In the times when I've tried to witness, when I've tried to be God's person in the world, we'll take it out of that term of witness, when I've tried to do the Christian life in my own strength, guess what the results are? 
I offend people not because of the gospel, but because of me. I do it wrong. I fumble. I get afraid and clam up and say nothing. I become one of those Arctic River Christians frozen at the mouth. Right? You've seen me stumble around up on this stage for years. Unless the Spirit of God is on me, I'm sunk. But when the power comes, when I open myself to the Holy Spirit's presence and allow Him to move through me, it makes all the difference in the world because people are blessed and the Gospel finds a place and I actually live credibly as a Christian in front of other people. And Jesus is glorified. And that's a real key thing. So Jesus says you'll have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you because the Holy Spirit wants to move through you. And so that brings us just to the very beginning of our text in Acts. In Acts chapter 2, they're all gathered. They're gathered together in that upper room. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and there's a key to what's going on there. There's a unity in them. They don't all look the same. They don't all have the same political views, but they're united in Jesus. They're not fighting against each other. They're not holding bitterness in their heart. They have repented of their sins and they know how dare I stand in judgment of my brother or sister who is different than me because I have been saved and forgiven by the Lord of glory. And who am I to judge another? They are united And their purpose is one thing. They're doing what Jesus told them to do. They're obedient to what he said. They're praying and they're reading the scriptures and they're worshiping the Lord. And did you catch they're in one place? The gathering of the church matters, which is why the last few years have been so challenging because God moves when people are gathered together. He doesn't need that, but he loves to move when his people are together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Y'all, we know what the sound of mighty rushing wind sounds like. We get thunderstorms and tornado alerts and hurricanes. And, you know, a couple weeks back, maybe it was just before Easter, it was on a Tuesday night, and the reason I know it was a Tuesday is because we had vestry that night. We ended up meeting via Zoom because the storm was so bad. Like, you can still see the damage all over Mount Pleasant and other areas. Like, all the trees snapped in half. We know what a mighty rushing wind sounds like. And so this is a symbol that God is giving, first, so that it grabs people's attention, but secondly, because the power of the Almighty One who created the heavens and the earth, stars and quasars all the way down to the microbes you cannot see. He comes present to them. It's a symbol of His sovereignty. Think about it, the Spirit of God moving over creation and bringing order out of chaos. It's designed for them to intentionally think back, just as we've laid the foundation in our His Story preaching series, to see all the movement of God, the wind of God, the activity of God, down through the ages, beginning in creation. To this Pentecost day, as God pours out afresh and anew, in a new way, a new movement, into a new season of the life of God among the people of the earth, the power of God available on the earth to anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. The fire, always a symbol of the presence of God. 
But also you'll remember John the Baptist said when Jesus comes, who Jesus is the baptizer, he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. The wind of God and the fire of God. What does fire do? Fire purifies. And if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you know the Holy Spirit is in the process of making you holy. That's way more than behavioralism. He's shaping you for eternity so that the things that, that do not coincide with the very character and heart and nature of the Almighty, the very character that you will carry with you into eternity, the things that don't fit in the kingdom, He's seeking to burn away. He separates between the chaff and the wheat. And the Word of God will come and it will, will divide even between the very spirit and soul within you to separate apart that which is not in keeping with the God who loves you and the power of His love in order that you might be more loving. It's not a behavior test. Please get that. I think you've heard me say that at least once before. As a joke too, I say it all the time. And they appeared and they rested on each one of them. That's important. And they were all filled. This wasn't for a holy few. This wasn't for a clergy elite. This wasn't only for bishops or priests. This wasn't only for missionaries. This is for regular old little old lady Christians. I say all the time there is no junior Holy Spirit so a child who's hungry for Jesus can be so full of the Spirit of God that God can use them powerfully in the life of the world. The Spirit of God is for every person. Women and men, young and old, they were all filled. For what purpose? To become dams? No, to be rivers. Grace and peace to that phone. And grace and peace to the owner of that phone. But that was a fun ringtone. (laughs) I feel like dancing. I'm not very good at that. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What's the point of all that? These tongues flowing out. Well, they couldn't contain Jesus. They couldn't contain their joy. They couldn't contain the presence of the Lord. They had to worship. And they began to speak and out came words that they didn't even understand. And yet in the ears of the people around them who had been drawn by the wind, who had been drawn by the sound, suddenly they're hearing the wonders of God declared in their own languages. And that in itself is a sign of God's desire for the Spirit to come through you to the world around you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Spirit moving out so that everybody has the opportunity to hear that salvation is available in Jesus Christ. God has power and gifts that He will give to you for the sake of His message for the sake of your life, for the sake of your call, for the sake of your witness in the world. And some of those, some of those gifts are gifts you will not be able to control, but he will never force them on you. He is not a violator. It's grace. Remember, he offers it freely 
And if your heart is unwilling to receive it, he will not force it upon you, but you can have power. One of the things I found out early on in my own life with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit is that sometimes feels a little foolish to the mind. And that's where I think many of us get stuck. We're so, we're so rooted in empiricism that if we can't figure it out, we think it can't possibly be real. No, that's your stumbling block. That's your idol. It's a great gift what science has given us. I'm, I'm for science. Woohoo! Like we have scientists among us. God bless you. I'm so grateful for you. But some of us who have been trained in empiricism think if I can't figure it all out and then, and then write a hypothesis, then it's not really real. It doesn't work that way with the Spirit of the living God. You see, the entry point is willingness. And so I learned early, I, I might look foolish for Christ. You're going to be a fool for somebody. I might as well be a fool for Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to be weird, by the way. That might just be you. <laughs> oh, mercy, Lord. He's been putting me on display with you for many years. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We hear the wonders of God in our own languages. And they were amazed and they were perplexed, but some scoffed and said, these guys are drunk. See, the natural mind will always try to come up with some sort of rational understanding for what's going on when God's on the move. And the people who do that end up scoffing and critiquing those who are moving in union and in power with the Spirit of God. And they end up missing it. They missed it with Jesus. They miss it with the Holy Spirit. And they go to their graves missing it over and over. And you can have the best doctrine and still miss what God's doing. That's what the Pharisees did. Don't be a Pharisee. Love the Word of God and love the Spirit of God and let your life be used as a vessel of power so that through you God can move to the world so desperately in need. Everybody say to you and say through you. But we're going to be looking at the book of Acts for the next few months and we're going to be seeing how the Spirit was moving through people in lots of different ways. How he's moving and making and shaping a people to send witnesses to the very ends of the earth. You're here today because they didn't stay in Jerusalem. But just like us, they got bogged down in Jerusalem and we get bogged down in our comfort zones and the Spirit had to send them out. (laughs) We'll get to that. I'm not going to get there today. Oh, mercy. Dr. Howard Hendricks told a story about a small town in Texas, a true story that had occurred. They had had a terrible fire in the school and many children and teachers were killed. It was a terrible tragedy in that Texas town. Of course, we know of other tragedies in Texas towns right now, so I'm cognizant of the the closeness of this uh, illustration. That tragedy wasn't at the hands of somebody uh, demonized, but it was a tragedy, and the town mourned, and the people mourned. And when it was time to rebuild the school, they took every precaution 
I mean, they, they just spared no expense. They brought in the greatest experts to build a very sophisticated sprinkler system all through the school. And they paid a lot of money for it. Now, when it was time to reopen the school, they invited the families to come in to see this new sprinkler system. They were giving tours, and the guides were showing them. And and people started to come back to the school. And in time, things sort of normalized, and the school went on. Well, the town grew, time continued to go on, and they had to rebuild the school, or they had to uh, add on to it because they ran out of space. What they discovered when they began their process of rebuilding was that this incredible sprinkler system that had been put in had never been hooked up to the water source. Salvation comes to you. And you're actually hooked up to the water source. But, but if there's a stopper there of unwillingness, he can't flow through you to a world that is desperately needing his presence in their life. And so here's the question today. Have you let him in? And are you willing to allow him to flow through you to the world around you? There's no greater joy. But it'll cost you your ego. It's worth it, though. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray even now for every heart that recognizes like that little girl, they've never actually walked through the gates into your kingdom. Jesus, we call upon your name that you would rest and light upon each heart that is opening itself to you even now, confessing Jesus is Lord, declaring their need, turning away from self to you as a new source. Do a work, Holy Spirit. Bring salvation, Lord. We call upon the name of Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who know his name, Lord, we repent of the ways in which we've allowed fear or unbelief or discomfort or comfort to stand as damning points, blockages, so that we might be full of you, but we're not letting you flow out of us. Would you remove those places? Whether it's bitterness toward an ex-wife or an ex-husband, whether it's disappointment because life has not panned out the way you wanted, and so you don't trust the Lord, whether you have anger seething deep inside. We pray, Lord, everything that would get in the way of you flowing through us would be removed. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to release your gifts so that we might be your witnesses, that power would come, that the, the presence of God would come, that the fruit would begin to manifest in our lives of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, and that the gifts would be set afire, that our tongues would be loosed in praise, and that Jesus would be glorified as we're your witnesses in the world. For his sake, for his name we pray. Amen.